the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome inside the official Jets podcast right now. You're inside the Wednesday huddle. (laughs) Delay of game penalty on myself, Ethan Greenberg, and my co-host, Olivia Landis. A penalty of two days, but it's still first down. We have a wonderful show for you later on. We're bringing in a guest from the official Raiders podcast Mm -hmm. and JT the Brick. He's a tremendous dude, and he has has the knowledge of Oakland and the Raiders. But, uh, again, if you haven't subscribed already, please do. You can do so on your podcast app on your phone. Go to NewYorkJets.com or on the homepage. Go to SoundCloud if you're a SoundCloud person. But right now, Olivia, we talked about it last week. We got to circle back this week. Bill's Mafia, did it live up to the hype? Bill's Mafia. Well, let's first start off by saying they weren't necessarily the most welcoming group of people to the, the New York Jets. They didn't roll out the red carpet for us. Um, however, you know, I didn't see any tables being slammed. I didn't see anything crazy. I didn't see the ketchup guy with people pouring ketchup Pinto on Ron. him. Pinto Ron. He didn't make an appearance, or at least not that I saw. He probably You probably did. got there too early. I probably got there too early. But, you know what? They were rowdy. They were definitely rowdy. They were letting their presence be known on the field to the players, to the Jets staff. So, yeah, yeah, they, they had they lived up to a little bit of the hype. I just didn't get to see a lot of that. All right, well, next time in a, a next life or whenever, you got to go and be a part of Bill's Mafia. Maybe then you'll get a more accurate assessment as opposed to working for the green and white. Yeah, maybe I'll go undercover and but pretend then, to maybe, be a Bill's Maybe like during fan. our bye week, yeah. Yeah, th- there you go. All right, so the wings. we got to check up on them. How were the wings? How spicy were they? What'd you go with? All right, good question. There were two different places you could go to get wings. So we were told you could go to Anchor Bar or this place by, we were referenced this place by our beloved EA, Eric Allen, who is from Buffalo, or Duff's. That's the one he said he really liked. So me and a group of people chose to go to Duff's. Now the thing about that place, first of all, let me tell you, on the menu, they had an option to buy 1,000 wings. 1,000 wings? Literally, it was an option. It goes from 10 to 1,000 wings. How many people need to be present at a table to eat, uh, one, 1,000 wings, and two is how much was was that? It was $850 for 1,000 wings. I mean, that's a pretty good price. It is a pretty good price. That's less than a dollar a wing. You but. Know? But I, to me, I'm thinking that's probably more of a tailgate presence. You take it out to a bunch of people, you know. That's like a Super Bowl party. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl party. Something like that. But so the spiciness, this is another Mm -hmm. thing. Medium on their menu, it even said it in the bottom as a caution, is basically compared to everybody else's extreme hot. Yes. Not just like, not just normal hot, extreme hot. Exactly. But it's normal buffalo. It's not like flavored. It's just normal buffalo. It's normal buffalo. You can get different flavors, but if you're going for the traditional, so which you I went, wanted you went to. traditional medium, which is extreme hot in other cities in America. No, no, no. I just said that was an option. Oh, okay. See me? There's no way I could have handled that. So okay. I went about three notches down, which would have been compared to you know just 
a normal, the normal hot flavor. Okay. And I'll say the wings were pretty good. They they lived up to my expectations. However, Uh-oh. they were not the best wings I've ever had in my life. Okay. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw in some shade here. The guys I was sitting with, right, at least two of them only ate nine to ten wings, okay? Your homegirl over here chowed down on nine and a half wings, so I'm just going to throw that out there. A half? Nine and a half. Yes, you, you I couldn't left a half finish alone it. Soldier I couldn't out there? finish it. I'm sorry. But it still counts. That counts as a half more than all those other lamos. okay? I mean, come on. Olivia's coming in here. She's throwing out shade, mad shade. Oakland Raiders, New York Jets, week two, blah, 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 X's and O's. We don't want to hear about that, okay? That's not what we're here for. You want to hear X's and O's? Tune in on Friday, the game preview. Greg Papa, the voice of the Raiders, is on the show. And, of course, Chad Pennington, Eric Allen, and Ethan Greenberg right now. Beast Mode is back in Oakland, okay? The Oakland native is back. We're not here to talk about him on the field. He loves Skittles. We know that, He right? loves Skittles. He's a big Skittles guy. If you were a player in the NFL, what would your sideline candy be? I think I would have one of two. It would either A, be Starbursts. Okay. Is it... See, I know Starburst has, like, multiple variety pack, different kinds. Is there, like, a specific Traditional. One? Okay. You got to go traditional. I respect that. Okay? I respect that. Got to go traditional with the Starburst. Although, I do like the tropical one, the little okay. purple one. Yeah. Anyways, so traditional Starbursts or the fruit-flavored Mentos. Oh, my God. Fruit-flavored fl- fruit Mentos? They are literally the best candy to ever you- happen to a young child, which was me when I got them in my stocking stuffer on Christmas, that's you when got I started Mentos to love for them. Christmas. Yes, starting at the age of like five or six. That's that's if ridiculous. If you don't like Mentos, that's just a different ballpark, dude. I know that I don't like them. I All would right, not what would th- your signature candy be on the sideline? Sour Patch Kids, not that watermelon stuff. It's good, but Sour Patch Kids for days. Sour Patch Kids. It's easy. They're they're cute. They're little kids. They're sour. They're sweet. They're colorful. You got everything. I'm not hating on the candy itself because I do like Sour Patch, but I for to represent you... me in the NFL as as the Skittles, you know, the Skittles sponsor, Marshawn Lynch, like that's cool. I, the, to be sponsored by Skittles, like that's dope. It is dope. To you know, it's not sponsored, dope, sponsored by, by Mentos, Mentos. That's whack. That's way more dope. No, it's not. You'd have a lot more people jumping on board for that one, I think. All right, that's tweet number two. Anyway. All right, let's go out to Northern California right now. Special guest on the official Jets podcast, JT the Brick. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Good to be on. I host the official Raiders podcast, so it's Uh-oh. great to be on the, the official Jets podcast. The official okay. Raiders podcast, and now he's out here on the official right. Jets podcast. Silver and like black, that. green and white, both tremendous combinations. <laughs> I got to know, JT the Brick, how, how, did, how did that come about? Well, interesting story. I was a stockbroker in New York, and I moved out west in the late 80s, early 90s, and I was a stockbroker who called into sports talk radio shows at the time, and that was my passion, calling in as a caller, and I used to call a guy by the name of Jim Rome, who I'm sure you're familiar oh with, my God. and I won his first ever caller contest, the Smack Off, and I won that contest, and long story short, I jumped into radio right after that, and uh, 1996, I got syndicated, and 98, I got hired by the Raiders to be their pre- and post-game host and television host and sideline reporter. 
in the preseason, and now it's my 19th season with the Silver and Black, my 21th year on the radio, and 17th year being syndicated on Fox Sports Radio. So it's been a nice ride with my Long Island roots from Massapequa, Long Island. Get out of wow. here. Massapequa, yep. Long Island. Oh, my I God. I went to Farmingdale High School. I'm from Massapequa. I went to Geneseo State University oh my in God. upstate New York, and I grew up uh, 15 minutes from Hofstra and about 25 minutes to 30 minutes from the old Shea Stadium where I caught, I don't, I don't even remember, I don't want to date myself, but when I caught my first Jet game back in the day. But, um, you know, I grew up with Giants and Yankee roots, but okay. uh, being so close to Shea back in the day, I, went, I cut my teeth going to Jet games. So not, not, I got deep roots with the Jets and family a, members who are Jet fans too, so it's a good fit. Wow. I was going to say, are you an anomaly? Because not a lot of Long Island folk are Giants, Yankees. They're more Mets and Jets. Yeah, I, I congratulate my dad for making that decision, and I want to take that road because my dad, my dad uh, made the decision when I was a kid, and my dad was born in Bayside, Queens, and my dad is a big, big Yankee fan, Nick fan, Giant fan, so we went down that direction, but my sister married into a Jet family, and a lot oh, of my yeah. friends I grew up with and went to high school with, and now friends who are working with the Jets, so I have always respected the Jets as a top-notch organization, and it's a great connection with the Raiders because mm -hmm. on the official Raiders podcast this week, I mentioned the first game. I think it was in October of 1960, and if you look at the Raiders and their history in the AFL with the Jets, then the Raiders play in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl two and lose to the Packers, and then the Jets come in and win Super Bowl three. That was an iconic moment for not only the AFL-connected teams, but for the future of the AFC, that the Jets were the team to break through because the Raiders wanted to be that team and win that Super Bowl three and really bring the credibility to the AFL and the AFC that we still look back on today as an historic moment uh, surrounded by the Jets. Wow, that, that's incredible. First of all, your background and how you have that connection. But, I mean, it's a phenomenal story. So thank you for providing us with, first, that we want to, first of all, dive into, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but with the Jets traveling all the way out to Oakland this Sunday for the game, we wanted to touch on the black hole. Now, we've, we've read a up a lot about it. We've done some research, and, you know, to our understanding, these fans can be extremely ruthless. So talk a little bit about where that started, the tradition, and kind of the environment they bring not only to the players, but just to the game itself. It's one of the most incredible things to see, if you're a football fan, especially a road fan, to see. The black hole started with a small group of guys when the Raiders left to go to L.A. and then came back. A couple of the diehard fans in Oakland put together this group that has grown and grown and grown. It started with two to three guys who said they wanted to black out the game on Sundays. They wanted everybody to wear black to the games. And the black hole has now become what we call football's notorious fan base. So they sit in the south end zone, but they don't sit. They stand during the game. And they could stand as far as 30 to 50 rows back. And I was the first member ever inducted into the Black Hole Hall of Fame. No and I'm way. very proud of that. How? And how did you, this how was did you a fan base that I used to stand in, in that front row and hang over the edge. <laughs> and the Black Hole, all the time, the language isn't PG-13. It's not rated G. But what the Black Hole does is they do everything they can to remain a rowdy fan base, 
to use their language and their energy directed at the opposition bench and the opposition players to try to get in their head. It's not, going, it's not like going to an Indianapolis Colts game or another game where you have people sitting down behind the end zone, sitting there looking at their phones. This is a notorious fan base. You have to earn the right to get your tickets down there. You have to be completely focused on the game. The Black Hole Tailgate is one of the best tailgates in all of professional sports. And these fans mean business. They're there to have fun. They're a family group. Some of them are doctors and lawyers and cops and general contractors and truck drivers, but they show up for Oakland Raider games, and they mean business. And when the Jets get introduced and they run out onto the field, and if they go near the black hole, the black hole will bark back right at them and make sure they know they're in for a fight. <laughs> it's going to suck them up. Let me ask you this. First of all, that's, that's awesome to hear. That's, I didn't even that's know crazy. that much about it. If someone, I just knew that they wore gorilla suits. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, and the death mask. If someone like Ethan and I were to walk by in our Jets gear, would we just completely get sucked up by the black hole? Would we regret that? Would we regret it? No, you wouldn't regret it, but you definitely hear from the black hole. You definitely <laughs> hear from the crowd. You wouldn't, not only would you hear from the black hole, you'd hear from the fans in the north end zone, the fans behind the bench. Raider fans are not there in Oakland to make you comfortable. Uh, they're not crazy. They're not going to fight you. They're, you're not going to get see them go crazy and get arrested. These are just fans who are very vocal, and they're going to talk to you, and they're going to tell you that you're there to lose the game. So it's not as intimidating as you would think, but it's an experience. I brought opposing fans, including Jet fans, into the black hole, into the black hole tailgate party. And, you know, they'll get a little ribbing here and there, and, you know, the trash talking will go back and forth. But, you know, the black hole's a group that I'm proud to know. These fans are really the best in all of sports. The problem for them now, and it's, it's not a problem because the Raiders aren't leaving Oakland for at least three more seasons. But yeah, I always say this, the black hole are the fans that are going to be hurt the most because these are the fans that fought hard to keep the team in Oakland, are very passionate about the team in Oakland, and their roots are in Oakland. So as I tell people, this is not the time to poke the grizzly bear. It's not the time to poke the black hole. It's not the time to get in the head of the Oakland Raider fan because they're really focused on winning now. The goal of the Raiders is to win a Super Bowl before they go to Las Vegas, and that starts right now against the Jets. The Raiders are 1-0. They're looking to build on this with the win against the Jets in the home opener and get off to the races where last year they won 12 games and they're looking to get back to the postseason this year. I have one question before we move on from the black hole, but I got to know it's not, you know, the Raiders' success is rather recent. Prior to that, when the Raiders were, you know, in a, in a transitioning to build this team that some people believe will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year, was the black hole still rowdy yeah i mean the black hole again the black hole just wants to win games and i'm going to speak not just for the black hole i'll speak for the entire raider nation you know from the fans who sit in the upper deck to the fans who can't make it to the games to the fans who travel and live you know the raiders are a global fan base they have fans all over the world and everybody's completely focused now on a super bowl this is a franchise that has won three super bowls if you look at super bowl 11 15 and 18 and now we're going into 52. It's been a long time since the Raiders won a Super Bowl. The Davis family cares about winning Super Bowls. That's their goal every year. And now, it, now it's a fun time because the Raiders have struggled for well over a decade. And the Raiders are trying now to be one of the elite teams in football. 
and it started with the hiring of Reggie McKenzie as the general manager of the team and Jack Del Rio as the new head coach and drafting Khalil Mack. I think the best defensive player in all of football are about to become that. And obviously Derek Carr, the franchise quarterback who just signed a long-term deal. The Raiders are now built to start a run, hopefully to be dominant for years to come. All right, let's, let's move on here to uh, the, the Al Davis eternal flame. Now, I don't know a lot about this. I don't know if Olivia does either. So just what, uh, what is the genesis of that? What is the eternal flame and what happens? Well, the greatness of the Raiders lies in its future, and Al Davis has so many great quotes, as you know, just win, baby, commitment to excellence. So when Mr. Davis passed away, his son Mark Davis and the Raider organization wanted to have a way to pay tribute to him on game day. So what happens is they have a flame in the open end of one of the end zones in the second deck, and they have a dignitary light the flame before every home game. It could be... You know, in the preseason last week or the last preseason game, it was Marshawn Lynch's mom. It could be a former player, Tim Brown, Marcus Allen. When he, Marcus Allen came back and lit the torch, I'll never forget that. Ted Hendricks, George Atkinson, all the legends, Jim Plunkett, Tom Flores. So the Raiders have so many Hall of Famers, so many great players, that for every home game, they pick someone to come and light that torch right before the game begins. So... As the game begins and you hear the rock music and you hear ACDC and you hear you know, the song The Autumn Wind, right as that ends, boom, they light the torch of Al Davis's eternal flame. And that really gets the crowd going. <laughs> Excuse me. That really gets the crowd going. The crowd really gets excited and electric because it's a connection from Al Davis to the Raider fans of today, and Raider fans really appreciate that. So, so the fans truly... Uh, they appreciate that, and they actually take part in that. It, it's part of the ritual. It's part of the game. So it's something that you actually see a reaction out of the fans as well? Absolutely. It's a big part of the tradition of the Raiders. It's a new tradition. It's something that just happened a few years ago after Al Davis passed away, but I thought it was a great tribute and a great way for the Raiders to move forward with the memory of Al Davis, who's still a huge part of the Raider organization. I mean, the Raider organization is based on the teachings of Al Davis and the vision of Al Davis to build a franchise that would be a great franchise for decades to come. And, you know, that's part of what's going to happen in the future when the team relocates and as the team remains in Oakland, that the vision of Al Davis and the memory of Al Davis is front and center. Fans don't want to forget that. So you, you've talked about how you've been covering the Raiders now for well over 15 years, you've been doing this with the radio. Take us through to some of the greatest Jets and Raiders moments that you can remember covering, maybe something that was special to you or special to the fans. Well, that's a good question. I mean, if you, again, if we look back at the history of this rivalry, it has to go back to what it meant for both of these teams to compete in the late 60s and into the 70s. I, I still believe the greatest era of football in general is the 70s, where the Jets were thriving and the Raiders were thriving. And I've talked to players, Jack Tatum when he was alive, George Atkinson who is, Phil Villapiano, Jim Otto, Fred Bolitnikoff, Cliff Branch, and they talk about those great games and what those games meant between the Raiders and the Jets. They were some of the more physical games ever played trying to guard Don Hudson, trying to stop Joe Namath, trying to get through 
the Jets' offensive line, running backs like Emerson Boozer, and how balanced the Jets were on offense and defense. And, you know, I grew up during the Richard Todd era, and where the Raiders in the 80s and the Jets in the 80s and then into the 90s with Boomer Esiason, and you look at the Jet teams that went to back-to-back AFC championship games with Mark Sanchez, and the Raiders and the Jets have been competing as rivals. The one big point I wanted to make today is that these two teams are rivals. We typically think of rivals as teams in the division. The Jets look at Buffalo, Miami, and obviously New England. Well, a lot of teams look at the Raiders as their rival. If you ask the Denver Broncos who's their biggest rival, it's the Raiders. If you ask the Chargers who their biggest rival is, it's the Raiders. If you ask Kansas City, you get the same answer. But the Raiders also have deep rivalries with the Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers and now the Baltimore Ravens of the AFC. So the Raider fans get this all the time. There's always a rivalry game. There's always a big game that matters. And it just seems to me that over the last 10 years, the Jets and the Raiders have been playing often. We've seen the Jets and the Raiders match up in Oakland where, you know, the uh, the Jets have been out to Oakland. I know more than the Raiders have been out to play in New Jersey the last couple of years. But this means a lot. I mean, the all-time series starts October 28, 1960. And if you go back to these teams playing, they played in 2011, 13, 14, and 15. In the last four games, these teams have split 2-2. So Jack Del Rio this week knows how important this game is for the Raiders. The Raiders are a heavy double-digit favorite in this game in their home opener. But I can promise you, on the official Jets podcast, no one in the Raider organization are going to take the Jets lightly because they know how proud the organization is. And, and hey, guys, don't forget, this could be the last ever Jet game in Oakland. Because if they're not on the schedule there the next two years before Vegas, think of what the Jets should be motivated for. This coaching staff and players might never, ever play a game again in the Oakland-Alameda County Coliseum. That should be motivation enough for the Jets to want to win this game. JT, I got a little uh, nugget for you that I don't know if you know, but I came across this the other day that since 2002, since the realignment, the Jets have played the Raiders 10 times, which is the most for the Jets other than any divisional opponent. So you talk about Jets and Raiders playing each other a lot. They play, the Jets have played the Raiders more than anyone in the past 15 years outside of the AFC East. That's yeah, lot. it just seems, it seems like that's how it gets set up. And, again, if we look at these games and I have the records in front of me, I mean, this is a great all-time season. In the regular season, the Raiders lead 22-17-2. But in the postseason, the history of these two teams are tied at two. So, it goes back from 1960, and they'll play again on Sunday in what is the Raiders' home opener. After the last time Raider fans saw this team, the Raiders dealt with heartache because Derek Carr broke his ankle on Christmas Eve, and the Raiders still went to the playoffs without their quarterback. And it was really a difficult season last year because the Raiders had such high expectations. But the season ended with still the playoffs in front of them And you want to talk about a fan base that lost all their wind, all their breath, because the Raiders were expected to go far last year. So now they're more focused than ever to get back to where they were last year, but this time to be healthy and try to win. Before uh, before we let you go here, you you touched on it, is that this is the home opener for the Raiders. Now, that combined with the expectations for the team this year, combined with the Oakland native Marshawn Lynch's first regular season game, as a member of the Silver and Black, if, if you could, 
choose a couple words or try to explain what the energy will be like from the fan base on this Sunday, how would you describe it? Great question. This would be the last place on God's green earth where I would like to play an opponent's home opener. If you could pick anywhere in the NFL with 31 teams where the Jets could be playing on the road and be the road team in a home opener, I wouldn't want to be in Oakland on Sunday because you mentioned Marshawn Lynch. The fact that the Raiders won, the fact that the Raiders, since they last played a home regular season game, has formally announced their relocation to Las Vegas in three years. If you combine all that, and put it into a big pot of chili, black hole stew, put it <laughs> steam in the parking lot for four or five hours, uh, pour a lot of Corona and cervezas into that <laughs> chili and stew. I'm telling you, the Raider Nation is going to be jacked up. And, oh, you know, I know that you guys do a great job with your social media and your website and your podcast, but some of the sights and sounds of this Sunday in Oakland will be memorable. And if the Jets show up and play a great game, and this is a competitive game late, this will be a memorable game just because what you said. Marshawn Lynch playing in his first game as a real Raider in a real game in Oakland in his hometown. You're going to see as many Marshawn Lynch jerseys as you would see Tom Brady jerseys in New England. This is a big moment in the Raider organization as they look to go 2-0 and before they play at Washington on Sunday night football a week from Sunday. Do you uh do you have any advice for Olivia? Olivia's going to be at the game. Yeah, I'm, I'll be traveling out there to I'm, Oakland. I'm holding, I'm holding it down in the, in the tri-state area. But what would your advice be to Olivia when? Yeah, give me some advice yeah. so I don't get eaten alive by the black hole. But you know, I am actually really excited to see this atmosphere. But yeah, what what would your words of wisdom be to me? My advice would be to find JT the Brick on the Raiders sidelines. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I will give you a tour of the field. I'll point out and get you close to the black hole. I'll tell you about all the great moments in Raider history where Ken Stabler dived into the end zone to take the Raiders to the Super Bowl, where Tim Brown and Cliff Branch and Jerry Rice made their big catches. I'll tell you about the history of that venue and just take it all in because even though there won't be thousands upon thousands of Jet fans there, there'll be Jet fans. There are Jet fans that, you know how huge the New York fan bases are and how New York fans travel. There'll be Jet fans who are there from Los Angeles, from San Diego, from Northern California, from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Jet fans who know, and they get it, that this could be the last Jet game ever in Oakland. You're going to see some green and white there, but it's going to be drowned out by more of the voices of the silver and black. You're going to love it. This is a bucket list trip for you to say that, hey, I saw a Raider game in Oakland with the team I cover, and you'll be telling people about this for decades. That's awesome. That, I will definitely find my way to, to you, JT the Brick. to JT the Brick, come Sunday. So that, JT, that, that's the best advice JT, I'll receive JT, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you were great. Um, great interview. Great, great times here on the official Jets podcast. And we're bringing in someone from the official Raiders podcast. You don't hear that every day. You don't hear that every day. But, again, thank you so much. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I, I, I'm happy for you that the brick doesn't come from your basketball shot. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But uh, it, 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 does, it actually does come. That's how I got my nickname from the Knicks. 
the Knicks when they were shooting up bricks and not winning championships. That's that's funny you say that. That's exactly how I got my nickname, JT the Brick, because it so rhymes with Knicks. Right. And hopefully, hopefully the Knicks and New York teams will find that success coming up in the near future. But thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and it should be an exciting game. And Again, from my friends who work at the Jets, especially Chris Gargano, I wish you nothing but success. Great. Thank you so much, JT. We appreciate it. Take care. All right. That was JT the Brick. Obviously, some great stuff there. Really in-depth and a tremendous story. Olivia, he told you straight up that that was going to be a bucket list item this weekend. So before we get to your excitement about the game, I want to know, is there something that you have on your bucket list that's maybe not football-related that you're like, that's something I want to do. I was just thinking about it because he said it. I'm excited to see that kind of a fan base, just like I was with Bill's Mafia. Hopefully I'll be able to see the black hole a little bit more in depth. Mm -hmm. And like JT the Brick said, I'm going to have to go find him on the sideline so he can kind of show me. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, if, if I were you, I would. that'd be, like he said, the first thing you got to do because he seems to be the mayor in the Coliseum over there. At least one of them, because I'm sure there are many people that have worked there many years. So, that's all we got. That was a Wednesday huddle on, not Wednesday, and we're sorry about that. But next week, we'll be on Wednesday, and weeks 3 through 17 will be on Wednesday. So, you got to check us out. You got to check the game preview out on Fridays on the official Jets podcast. And Mondays, if you can't tune in to ESPN Radio at 7 o'clock with EA and Bart Scott, the Mad Backer, you got to find us on the official Jets podcast, and you can listen to them break down what happened in the week before the game. They break down the game, and then they have a special guest. And we, all three shows are great. Like I said last week, a squad on Wednesdays. So, again, oh. next week we'll have Olivia's experience in the black hole. Olivia Landis and Ethan Greenberg, make sure to subscribe on your phone, NewYorkJets.com, and SoundCloud. <laughs>